The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. All right, would you stand up on your feet and uh, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Genesis. Well, you left your readers up here. I'm going to borrow them. They'll be all right. I'm man enough to wear them. Jack, this makes reading easy. Look at that. Genesis 3. Let's read the word of the Lord. Are you ready? Verse 1. We're going to read through verse 24 as we continue in a series out of the book of Genesis. You ready? On your marks? Get set. Let's read the word. New King James. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you'll not surely die, for God knows in the day that you eat, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said, Where are you? If God doesn't know where you are, you're in some serious trouble, I'm just saying. Verse 10, so he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? And the man said, the woman whom you gave, (laughs) what? Blames his wife, the woman whom you, isn't that just like a dude? The woman whom you gave. To be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more, and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat the dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, He shall bruise or crush your head, and you shall strike or bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree which I commanded you, saying, 
you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth, and you shall eat herb of the field. And the sweat of your face you shall eat the bread till you return to the ground from where you were taken. For dust you are, and dust you shall return. Verse 20, And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was a mother of all living. Verse 21, very important verse. should underline it in your Bible. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. And the Lord God said, Behold, man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put out his hand and... Take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim in the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for what you did in the first service and what you'll do even now. Holy Spirit, we pray, come giving us living understanding to those that are here under the sound of my voice, those that are online, those that will listen uh, by podcast at a later date. I pray, speak to us. And all that's in your heart, God, we ask that you would release to us right now, not just a lecture, but living understanding that we would never be the same, even changed into your image and likeness. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Wow, I don't think I like those readers. It's like a... I got a headache. I need healing. Jesus, heal me. Amen. We've been in a series uh, on the book of Genesis discussing what I'm calling the foundations for life, foundational principles for life. If you've ever built anything, you're going to have to have a good foundation for it. I remember I tried to make a chicken coop. I was very thankful for a family that came over to save me because that thing was the most twisted, messed up chicken coop you've ever seen. I've never really built a building before. And it was uneven at the base. And how many of you know if you're, not, if you're not level at the base, by the time you get to the top, man, that thing was looking like a pretzel. I thank God for lasers and for people who know how to fix stuff. But if your foundation in your life is twisted, if you believe something that's a lie then you will be in some serious trouble in your life. We live in an information age where there's so much that's going around and it's hard to discern what is true and what is false. We believe, as Christians, we believe in absolute truth. It's not some ambiguous blend of of people's opinions and philosophy. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8 says, Beware lest someone cheat you through philosophy and vain deceit rudiments of the world. Philosophy, if I can put it very simply, what is philosophy? It's the way I see it. That's what philosophy is. Well, the way I see it is, that's me philosophizing. Philosophers tried to get a grip on evil, getting a handle on the dilemma of evil, and they, they really have a hard time because they get away from the word of God. You get away from the word, you're, you're going to have a hard time figuring out what evil is. It's not like Star Wars. The force, the dark side and the light side. It's like two sides of a coin. That's not scriptural. And that's not true. So we're going to talk about that today. We have talked about now in our series here in the first 11 chapters of Genesis. 
in an attempt to put a foundation of truth in your life so that when the wind blows and the storm comes, you're not built on the sand. You're not built on someone's opinion, but you're built on the truth of the word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will remain forever. And then you'll be able to stand no matter what comes. We've talked about how God is the creator and how to live in light of that. We've talked about how God's the author of time. You have a, you have a watch on? You're looking at a watch? I'm looking at one too. I hope to preach to you in about half an hour and be done. We think in terms of minutes and seconds. Do you know the ancients didn't think like that? But God created time and he placed you in it. Amazing. We talked about that. And all these messages you can get online, kcalaska.com. We talked about who, I, who am I, about man made in God's image. You're not like the animal kingdom. You're, you're not like a dog. You're not like a whale. You're not like, I feel like one sometimes. <laughs> you're not like animals. You think in terms of right and wrong. You think in terms of justice. You think in terms of beauty. Dogs don't do that. Dogs don't comb their hair. Dogs don't put on makeup. Dog, we need, come on, you looked in a mirror this morning. In terms of justice. Only man thinks in terms of justice. Beauty. Morality. So we talked about that. And today I want to look at this passage and talk to you about how to overcome temptation. Overcoming temptation. Evil's existence is because man has a free will. You say, how is that? See, a lot of people want to think that evil's just something that's out there, Ooh, some creepy thing. Actually, from this text, we begin to see that evil's actually on the inside of us. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitfully wicked above all else. So we have, a, we have an internal evil problem. Someone said, if God's good and he's all-powerful and he's all-loving, then why does he need to just do away with evil? And the answer to that is he can. He just has to kill everybody. Because evil's on the inside. And you see it from this text. And it's because man has a choice. Come on, someone say you have a choice. Because love's not made in a vacuum. You choose. You can choose to love someone or not. And so God made us with a choice so that we could choose to love him. So the, the issue of temptation here in this text. Everybody sitting in this room, I want you to be reminded of the fact that you will face temptation. You will face temptation all of your life. You will have temptation that, that, that stares you, stares at you, that bumps into you, that you run into. The same with me. Welcome to being a human being. All right, let's look at how mankind fell. And from insights from this, we're going to get some, glean some truth and put some foundation stones in place so that we don't fall, so that we can overcome temptation. Are you ready? All right. Eve's first mistake right here, verse 1. Eve's first mistake is she talks to the devil. Everybody say, don't talk to the devil. Yeah, don't talk to the devil. You'll notice that she talks to him. The first time in Scripture we see this, this mysterious personage of the devil. And to find out more about him, you need to read Isaiah chapter 14, starting from verse 12. Or in Ezekiel chapter 28, talks about Lucifer, the son of the morning how he said he ascended to the sides of the north, and in that same thought of pride, he was cast down. And the devil, Lucifer, 
Satan. And uh, the serpent. You can read the book of Revelation how the serpent and, uh, and Satan are the same. And so right here, verse 1, Eve's first mistake, she talks to the devil. Look at your notes now. If you don't have notes, lift your hand. They'll bring that to you. All right, good. The serpent twists the word of God. Verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said? He questions God. And I'm going to tell you that is the exact same thing that the enemy does today and has been doing for millennia. He twists the word. Has, did God really say? I was standing in the, in the, oh, I forget where it was. I think it was the hearing. God said, let, let man take every green herb, you know, and use it. So that's a good, a good scripture for smoking it. I don't think so. Taken out of context for sure. What did God say? The serpent twists the word. If you look at Genesis chapter 2, we actually see exactly what God said. And it's not what Satan says, not what Lucifer, it's not what the serpent says. And it's not even what Eve repeats. Here's what God said in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. And the Lord God commanded man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So Satan, or the, the serpent, twists, twists the word. And, and then Eve, she does the same thing, except she exaggerates right there in your notes. She exaggerates what God says. Verse 3 of Genesis 3, The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it. Did God say that? No, He didn't say you couldn't touch it. She exaggerates. And she gets really caught. She becomes a victim of her own exaggeration. And Satan distorts the picture of God and portrays God as selfish, mean, and a liar. And that is exactly what the evil one will do. He will get you, try to get a distorted view, try to get you distorted in your view about God. Not only about God, but about others too. He's the one that's distorted. Verse 4, Genesis 3, you all there? The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. You know, the crazy thing is she already is like God. Satan's whole role is to twist the word and in turn twist Eve. And then he plants these distorted pictures inside of her about who God is. And I would venture to say that if you're sitting here breathing, that the enemy is attempted to do that to you. He'll attempt you to get you in times of disappointment and hurt to get you to think that God doesn't really care, for, care about you. He'll get you in times of offense and times when you're hurting and you don't know which way to go and you're, you're really needing comfort and help. The enemy will attempt to get your thoughts twisted to get you to think that God doesn't really care for you, doesn't really care about you, doesn't really know what you're going through. We lost a child many years ago, carried full term, baby lived for about 15 minutes. I remember wailing in a back room holding my child, my, my, my dead child. Karen had had a C-section, so she was still in the back recovering. I'm on my knees in my own 
private room in the corner of the hospital, and I began to cry. I will never forget this. If some of you listen to what I'm about to tell you, it'll really help you. I began to weep. And my weeping is, is, is deep, deep grief. I had done a series on, on signs and wonders and miracles. I, I prayed over my boy. It was our first son and on and on and on. I had people even tell me, oh, your son's going to live and it's going to be great. Well, he didn't live. And when he was born, he was horribly deformed, beyond ability to live. And so as I'm on my knees crying, there came a moment when the Holy Spirit came into my room and kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, son, it's going to be all right. And I didn't receive that. There was some sick part of me that wanted to continue to be angry and upset at the fact that now I have a dead child. And I remember looking up to heaven and said, God, why? Why? And when I said why, and when I refused his comfort, I remember it was a clear decision that I make. My room went dark. And my why turned into, man, if, if, if God really loved me, then he'd have healed my boy. And that turned into, what kind of pastor are you? Signs and wonders. I mean, really signs and wonders, that's all a bunch of bunk, people's figment of their imagination. And then, the, and then it was just a barrage. It was like I was being shelled from hell. Mortars sent into my life from hell, one after another. God's not really God. This is all a joke. Boom, boom, boom. Bombarded. And before I knew it, it became so obvious. You know, the devil, he's, he's not all powerful and he's not all knowing. And for me, what he did was he just said so much. He talked so much smack. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? He talked so much smack that he just tipped his hand. He said so much that was against the word of God. Of Psalm 119, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. He talked so much stink to me that it, that it contradicted what I knew to be truth. And so when he started stepping over the line, I went, hey, wait a minute. Hey, wait, 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 wait. Jesus! And the power of God came down in that room like a column of fire. I'm not kidding you. It was like the lights got turned on in the room. God wrapped him. The Lord just wrapped his arms around me and I wept. And he comforted me and he helped me. Now my baby didn't live. My baby went straight to heaven. But I'm telling you, the enemy wants to distort the way you think about God. He wants to take you and twist your mind to get you. And if you don't know, know God, if you don't know God, you don't know him. How do you know him? By his word. You know how his character is by the word of God. You know, you know him by his word. That's it. In the beginning was the word and words with God. The word was God. God is his word. You want to find out who he is, you got to read his word. You don't read his word. Come on, he's not just like, if you have warm fuzzies and the Holy Spirit's here, what kind of nonsense is that? same spirit of evil tries to come and get us distorted too and that's what happens to her uh, eve yields to her desires in fact it's fascinating that in verse six look at verse six with me we're we're we're, we're getting some truth to understand about how she she and and adam fell in temptation and fell the fall of mankind verse six so when the woman saw she what she saw it's interesting that in, in uh, Joshua's day, 
as he led the children of Israel into the promised land to cause Jericho to fall by the miracle plan of God, that they were given a command to not take any of the accursed things, that everything of Jericho was to go to the Lord. And it's interesting that in the Garden of Eden, you see this tree that they're not allowed to touch. It's a picture of the tithe. There's certain things that belong to God. It's not yours, it's God's. And, and here in Jericho, the very first city, first fruit, you're not allowed to take any of those things. They belong to the God. But Achan was mistaken. And when he went in, at the, as the walls fell flat, he went in and he saw the Jerichoian garment and the wedge of gold and thought, those are some nice threads. Snap, I think I'm aware of those. Where was he going to wear his Jerichoian garment? Is he going to go wearing that around camp? Hey, what's up, fellas? Like my new threads? Yeah. Yeah. What's up? Yeah, no, he goes and he hides it under his tent. I mean, how stupid. But what's fascinating to me is it says when he saw them. When he saw. When Eve saw. James talks about how temptation comes and evil when you see it. And it's conceived and it becomes a thought process and before you know it brings forth action and then brings death. Be careful, little children, what you see for the Father up above is looking down in love. Yeah, be careful. You know, pornography is a horrible thing. We'll get there later. You become what you behold. I love what my pastor friend said. If you look too long, you're on a hook real strong. And that goes for the Harley, for the boat, the girl, or the guy. Come on, somebody say amen. And by eating the fruit, Eve breaks trust with God. She was bent on obtaining knowledge by eating fruit rather than having a vibrant relationship with the Lord. She, she, she's, she breaks trust with God. She sees knowledge and wisdom as something that's outside of God. Can I tell you something? Knowledge and wisdom, God is the author of it. And she, she basically makes steps at becoming her own God. Are you following me? She breaks trust and the tempted becomes the tempter, which is so often how it works. And the sad thing is that Adam could have spoken to the Lord for her and who knows what could have come about. But that's not what happens. She comes to Adam and it says that Adam ate. And you don't want to just flip right through that. In, in both of them falling, they forfeited their dominion. She comes, she ate, and you, you, you have to see what happened. Now, do you remember, would you help me, dear? Do you remember when, when um, the Lord caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep? And he takes one of his ribs. And the reason that the man is put into sleep while the Lord's making woman is because I'm sure the man would have messed it up. Put in all kinds of... No, no, wait. No, not like that. Wait. Anyway, he makes... So, he, so the Lord makes woman, and when man... And we, and we talked about this. When, when man wakes up, he had... He had He's awakened from his sleep. He had named all the animals and, and everything. And there's no suitable helper for him. So when he wakes up, oh, oh Lord, oh, oh, whoa. 
And he says, and we just read through it. I, for years, I just read, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Because you don't really understand what that means. It's an Hebrew idiom. It, it, it's, 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 it's beyond the... I'll illustrate it for you. It's like, whoa! Come on! Yes! Woo! This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my... Thank you! Thank you, Je thank you Jesus! Hey! Thank you! That, that's more like it. He doesn't look and go, oh, thanks, Lord, that's awesome. You know, this is different than a fish. This is different than a bird. This is different than a... This is different. Do you understand? And man is ish, and woman is a shah. And the picture is that together they make a, a, a team. They're one. The picture is that man is really incomplete without, without her by his side. So when she fails and is distorted by the lie of the enemy and she takes of the fruit and she eats it, she exaggerates, she doesn't know the word and she forfeits, she comes to Adam to offer some of the fruit. Now here's the choice that Adam has. Do I allow by this is bone of my bone? Do I allow her to die? Let's say goodbye. She's dead. She's going to be, she's dead. It's over. Adam made an idol out of his wife. And instead of going to talk to the Lord, he took and he ate and they both died. Come on, somebody say, wow. Thank you, baby. You did that so well. God bless you. Amazing. And the result of sin is death, right there, Roman numeral three. He said, they didn't die, they, they lived. No, 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 they, they did, actually. They died psychologically. For the first time, they experienced shame. And you can see that right in the text also. And they realized they're naked and they're, they're, they're filled with shame. They're filled with guilt. Freudian psychology says it's not guilt, it's guilt feelings. You know why Freudian psychologists say that? You know, why, you know why philosophers say that it's guilt feelings? Because they don't believe in absolute truth. You see, guilt is not just feelings. It's real. Right. Now, there is real guilt. You can feel real guilt. You feel like you did something wrong. You know why? You did. And so they break God's word. And, and, and God's word said, in dying you'll surely die. And they, the first part of their death process is a death psychologically. They have shame and they have guilt for the first time and they realize they're naked. So what's their immediate response? Their immediate response is to get aprons of fig leaves to cover their nakedness. Instead of seeking him and their guilt, they, they get a fig tree and they, they make these leaves so they're, they're not naked. It's a picture of religion. Let me, let me run that through one more time. You see, you can't cover your guilt. You can try to convince yourself that they're just guilt feelings and what you did really isn't wrong, but your, your conscience will constantly shout at you unless you continue to violate your conscience over and over and over and over again. And if you do like a triangle spinning on an axis, every time you violate your conscience, it'll shave off one of the points and before you know it, you're not bothered really by anything. That's called a seared conscience. 
God will give you a conscience. He's placed within you an understanding of what you know is right and wrong. You can sense it. You can feel it, even without the word. That's, that God gave that to you. It's a gift. And so they violate that. They do wrong, and they make these aprons. They make these clothes of fig leaves, and it's a picture of going to church so that your guilt can be released. It's a picture of being a religious person to cover your shame, to cover your guilt. It's a picture of perhaps doing some philanthropy or, or some act of kindness, altruistic gift that you release to humanity so that you can feel better about yourself. I'm going to tell you something. Coming to church doesn't make you part of the kingdom of God any more than a monkey putting on a suit makes him a human being or any more than you standing in your garage makes you a car. You can go to church all your life and have baptismal waters dripping off of your face and you will still split hell straight, wide open. What brings you to heaven is repentance and believing on his son Jesus. That's the only thing. The only one that can cover your nakedness, cover your shame, is not your acts of kindness or surrendering yourself to the flames. It's God's blood. It's the blood. It's the blood. It's the blood. It's the blood of Jesus that cleanses you from sin. And nothing else. I love songs about the blood. Wow. There's a whole society. It is interesting to me that there's a whole society just over the years. They try to wear less and less clothes. Tighter and tighter. Skimpier and skimpier. Less and less. Trying to get back to Eden. That ain't going to work. Guilt. Guilt's real. We talked about that. That's part of them dying. They died spiritually. They're banned from the garden. They're separated from God. They had death in relationship between the man and his wife. Adam now rules over Eve. It's, you know what's interesting is that uh, before she's Ish and Ishah. Ishah's the woman. Now after this, he names her. He gives her a name. She's not named before that. After this, he says, now your name's Eve. Whoa. Change has taken place. That naming of Eve shows that he has dominion or dominance over her, and their whole relationship changes. Wow. What a horror. I mean, what a horror. You see, most people don't really understand the fall of mankind. You don't know where you have fallen from. I remember reading an account of the dropping of a giant sequoia tree. You know what a sequoia tree is? They're huge. They are massive. And the man said, as I watched that as a boy, I watched that sequoia tree fall. And when it was on the ground and I walked the length of it, I didn't really realize how big it was. The fall of mankind is like that. You just don't really realize all that we've lost through the sin of Adam and Eve. Thank God for the last Adam. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. They, de- they died physically and, and ecologically. Childbirthing and pain. Creation begins to basically ecologically die. You know, some people have taken the scripture here where uh, in childbirth, it was a part of the 
part of a curse that was on the woman that she'll have pain in childbirth. I've read books about supernatural childbirth, and they're powerful books. And so you can actually claim and declare, God, I'm going to believe for supernatural childbirth for my wife. And that when your baby comes, it will be pain-free and quick. And we've known people that have done that, and it's worked. So when our first child, we believed for that. It was pain-free and quick. Epidural, C-section. 15 minutes, right out, no pain. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Glory to God. All right, how to overcome temptation. Let me get to the, let me get to the brass tacks here. How to overcome temptation. Some insights here. Well, verse 21 is very, very, very important. Verse 21. It says, also Adam, also for Adam and his wife, the Lord made tunics of skin. Any hunters out there? Okay, God went hunting. And he killed an animal, okay? He didn't just fabricate skin and then clothe them with it. He went and killed something. And I've said it many times before. I've taught it and preached it. I believe it was a lamb. Why, why do you say that? Because it's consistent throughout all of the sacrificial system uh, that, that lambs were sacrificed, the blood of the lamb. And then John the Baptist says, Behold the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, pointing to Jesus, that Jesus is the lamb slain before the beginnings of the foundations of the earth, as it says in the book of Revelation. I believe that God killed a lamb and put lamb skin on Eve and Adam to cover their nakedness. This is a prophetic declaration that millennia later, God would send the Lamb of God, that God would send His Son, and that in His Son's sacrificial death on a cruel Roman cross, His blood that was shed, His born of a virgin, pierced for our transgressions, wounded for our iniquity, the chastisement that brought us peace was upon Him, Isaiah chapter 53. This is a prophetic declaration that God was going to do that, that you can't cover your sin. You can't do enough good stuff to cover your guilt, to cover your shame. There's not one thing you can do except believe on the Lord Jesus. That is how. And that's what that is. Now, if you go back, the Passion of the Christ, how many of you saw the Passion of the Christ? I remember the first time we saw that, we were messed up. I saw it in a movie theater in Hawaii. My wife and I were struck. We were just weeping through the thing. I remember walking out, holding my wife's hand, and we saw some people from the church that were about to go in and see the second service, or the second showing, which was like a service. And they said, hey, pastor, how are you? I was like, I'm fine. Thank you, God. And we just stumbled out of that place. And we're like, I don't know if I want to see it. You know? like, I don't know if I want to go see the Passion of the Christ. One of my favorite parts of that movie is in the very opening scene where they're in the garden and he's praying, and, and, and Satan is, is around him like a serpent, and he, he stands and crushes the head of the serpent. That comes right from Genesis 3. It's called the proto-evangelum. It's the very first time that the gospel is preached. Right at the fall of mankind, God declares, hey, I'm, I've already solved this thing. I knew it was coming. He knows everything. And he already solved it. It says, you, you, will, you, you will strike his heel... The seed of the woman will crush your head. Study that out. It talks about a specific child. One specific child would come and he would crush 
the head of Satan. What Jesus did when he died on the cross 2,000 years ago is he took your sin and mine and he took all the past sins that had taken place and he basically went down into hell and he took the keys of hell and death and he rose again on the third day in declaration, even as the psalmist said, oh, death, where is thy sting? Because Jesus rose again from the grave. He can then give you newness of life and to all that believe, to as many as believe on him, he gave them the right to become children of God. You say, isn't everybody a child of God? No. No, no, no. God made everybody, but you're separated because of the fall. You're separated because of sin. But you're brought back into union and relationship with God through Jesus Christ, His death. He crushed the head of Satan. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. And He covers your sin. And there's not one other thing that can do it. You can't cover your sin by going to church. You can't cover your sin any other way. Only By Jesus, repentance and receiving him. And because of that, we can overcome. Revelation 12, 11, put it on the screen if you would. Oh, the clock is getting away. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. How? By the blood of the lamb. You will not be able to overcome temptation. Well, you might think you're overcoming it, but it'll nail you another way. You will overcome by the blood. It's the blood that gives you power. Hebrews 2.18, because he himself suffered and was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. We can overcome temptation because Jesus did. Hebrews, and he lives on the inside of you. Come on, someone say, the greater one lives on the inside of me. Hebrews 4 and verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but... We have one who has been tempted in every way. How many ways? Every way. Just as we are, yet was without sin. There's nothing that you're going through that Jesus didn't experience. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. Come on, someone say, God is faithful. God is faithful. He'll not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you're being tempted, He'll provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Our problem is we usually don't want one. But there is an escape hatch. And I've had times where I've been sorely tempted and that scripture comes to mind and it's like, Lord, where's, where's the escape hatch? Pull the chute. Look for the escape. God will will help you. Man's heart is deceitfully wicked, as it says in Jeremiah 17, 9. So you got to know the word. Remember, I was telling you about our son that died, right? And I told you I was on my knees and darkness surrounded me. And I was thinking, like, where is God? God, do you even love me? You understand? You remember the story? Well, what happened then was that the devil, he overplayed his hand. And he began to say things that I know scripturally are not true. And so when that happened, I realized, hey, the liar's here. Wait a second, there's darkness. Jesus, help me out. If you don't know the word, then you'll be led astray. And you've got to not only know the word, you have to obey it. You know, the cults will take a word and twist it. They take things and twist it. In fact, cults are just notorious for it. They take a little bit of truth, mix it with some of their lie, and then they spin it. And people, people see the truth and... And just swallow the whole thing. Don't place yourself in a position to be tempted. Look at E. 
Eve shouldn't have been talking to the devil. Listen, don't talk to dead people. Don't talk to the devil. Amen? I've, got, I've known people over the years that, you know, they, it's like the boy coming back from, uh, coming back from school. He always goes into the five and dime, you know. It's before the internet. And sees the magazines on the rack and looks at them and looks at pornography and feels terrible. He comes to the pastor and says, I need help. I'm looking at pornography. He says, well, tell me what happened. I come home. I go into the five and dime and I see it. And the pastor says, well, I'm going to pray for you. And uh, i got a plan. Go home another way. Duh. And it's like the person who's, who's a recovering alcoholic. who got set free from alcoholism, but... Then, they, then they, they, they jump off the wagon and drink again. I talk to them, well, what happened? Well, you know, I was trying to minister to my friends in a bar. I'm thinking, what? <laughs> you know, let me see, minister to your friends in a bar. What doesn't work with that? Let me see, alcohol, bar, you. That doesn't work. How many of you think it would be a pretty bad idea if you have a problem with alcohol to be in a bar? <laughs> if you have a problem with your phone, get a new one. Get a flip phone. Don't place yourself in a position to be tempted. Some of you hang out with people that'll really, that are really affecting your lives. You struggle smoking dope or struggle doing drugs, but then you spend time with people that do it. How stupid is that? I think that's foolish. Right? Okay. You know, I am... Um, I really enjoy eating. I, I really like eating. No, no, you don't understand. I really like it. I like it. You know what's not good for me as I'm trying to lose weight? Buffets. <laughs> buffets. You said, well, the Apostle Paul said he buffets his body daily, so that's why I do. I go and buffet my... <laughs> no, no, buffets are difficult, man. The golden trough? How many of you know the golden trough is? I mean, corral. The golden corral. It's like, I love that place and I hate it. I mean, if you're trying to overcome overeating, and you know, that's probably a bad place to go. They got like every one of your favorite food. And if you go at like 4.30, right? And then you get the steak and stuff that hits. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. 1 Corinthians 6, 18. Pastor Alex, come please. Flee from sexual immorality. All other, sins com- uh, all other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Flee. Everybody say flee. 1 Corinthians 10, 14. Therefore, my dear friends, flee. Do what? Flee from idolatry. 1 Timothy 6, 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee. Do what? Flee. Run. Run, Forrest. Listen, don't place yourself in ten places where you're tempted. Look at D. Don't let distortions take hold. Well, how do I do that? Well, I think one main way is to pray. Be a person of prayer. Eve, if she had went to God, I think God would have said, what? There's this thing, this serpent telling me, Shadid said that you, that you know, so on and so forth. The Lord just said, well, let me just deal with him. She didn't pray. She didn't talk to God. 
Praying is talking to God and letting God talk to you. If you don't have a prayer life, you're going to suffer. You know, it's, it's, you gotta, you gotta, everybody say, if, if, if no can talk, then no can hear. That's Hawaiian. If you don't talk, then nobody can hear you. One of the things I love about my wife, I should say about my marriage, is that we talk. We don't have any secrets. And man, we get in some arguments. I usually win. That's not true. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You see, if you win, you lose. You know that. You just demand your way. Well, you're a fool. You need to prefer one another. And I'm so thankful for you. She slaps me down. Oh, she says, no, you have an attitude problem. That's wrong. You have an attitude problem. I'm like, Jesus, he's like, yeah, you have an attitude problem. And I'm thinking, what are you, what's going on here? There's some kind of cahoots. I'm thankful for the loving correction and confrontation that she brings. Our whole life, you know, if you're correcting somebody all the time, you're probably the one that's got the issues. But, but, but I, I can correct you too. And, you know, that's what love is. It's relationship. We don't have any secrets. She can look at my phone anytime. We share, we share an email together. How to, how to avoid confrontation pray but the second thing is confront listen sir ma'am if you can't be honest with your spouse you're headed for a train wreck if you have to hide things then you need to get that healed and and ladies let me just tell you if your husband confesses that he's struggling in some particular area and you lambaste him and beat him up one side and down the other then you're the fool because then, I'll tell you what then happens. Then the guy says, well, I can't tell her about that because she can't handle that. And then what he does is he tries to suffer quietly. And then the enemy can get in there and start twisting him. And then you withhold the goodies from him. You withhold. Children's church is upstairs. You withhold from him. Because, well, then you just, that's, you're just on your own then for this month. Oh, oh, you'd be surprised. And it happens the other way, too. And that is the most foolish thing to do. You know, one of the greatest acts of spiritual warfare is to get busy with your wife or your husband. You guys, you guys like looking at me like, okay, I'll just say it plain then. To have sex with your wife or your husband, it brings a unity and a bond. And if that breaks in your marriage, then you're soon to be broken. There's a covering of protection that comes over. Now, if you're single, then... You just let the Lord cover you. You live holy and live righteous and you sublimate. You take all that energy and passion. Serve God. Amen. But don't play games with that. Don't, don't, don't mess with that sacred holy. That's for somebody. I didn't even say that in the first service. You should look at the way you guys... Don't look at me with that tone of voice. I'm trying to help you out. Did he say sex? Did he say sex? Listen, if you don't hear it here, you want to tell me where you're going to hear it? Where are you going to hear it? I'm, I'm helping you. You've got to confront things. Don't, 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 don't play with stuff. You don't confront things in your marriage. You don't confront things in your business. You don't confront things in your life. Then you'll have the devil run everything in your life. He'll run it. You've got to confront stuff and get rid of distortions. And got to trust God in every area of your life. I'm almost done. Everybody say, trust God. 
Expose the areas that expose the areas to God that you don't trust Him in. Some of you don't trust Him in the area of ambition and success. You don't trust Him that He can. You don't trust Him. You don't trust Him that He can take your life and fulfill the destiny because you want to point to other people and how they're in the way. I'm going to tell you something. God can deal with other people. He has no problem dealing with other people. Man is not your problem. Maybe God is trying to get to the attitude that you have. Maybe he's trying to deal with the pride that you have. Don't ever waste a good trial. Am I on someone's nerve right now? Should we just move on? You all all right? Expose stuff. I had a big problem with ambition and all of that. It's interesting. The church only grew so big until the Lord just really took me apart in that area. Because I would say things. I'm just being honest with you as a pastor. I would say things like, if I have to pastor a church of 60 people all my life, I'm going to quit. What kind of nonsense is that? Because in my mind, you know, success was going to be some big church or something. It's total bunk. It's total lie. You have to trust God with the reason that he made you. Look, he made you. Do you think God is able to fulfill your destiny and purpose? Yeah. So just let go and trust him. Work hard. Keep your heart right. Be faithful. Be servant. Be grateful. All right, I'm almost done. Two minutes. Don't yield to instant gratification. Don't don't do it. In fact, I'm pretty sure if it's instant, it's probably not God. Now, there are some instances in my life, and I see in, in Scripture there's some instant things that take place, instant elevation, you know. We think, Lord, you can trust me. Just give me the whole enchilada now. You know, no, you do without honor for a while, and then, then you know, a, a prophet's without honor in his own hometown, in his own family. Instant gratification soon. I prayed for 14 years for a miracle. Now, the, I, I got it. But I'm, after the miracle happened, I thought, Lord, why couldn't you do that in the first year? I'm going to tell you what he's told me. See, because some of you don't understand that the trial and the pressure and the problem that you're in is producing something in you that nothing else can. And we just want to be done with it. We just want to eat the fruit and get the knowledge and bam, just bam, I just want it now. Bam, give it to me. No, but he's like, no, no, no. You, you, need, you need to, the fellowship of my suffering, son. The what? I want the, no, the power of your resurrection. We don't ever quote the last part. The fellowship of his sufferings. Do you know that there's a fellowship that comes? There's a fellowship that comes when you suffer with Christ. And you wait for him to bring the deliverance and you wait for him to bring the answer and you wait for him to bring the breakthrough. And you don't reach out and grab the fruit or make an Ishmael. You just, you just wait. You patiently wait. For 20, for 14 years we prayed and, and there was no, no breakthrough that we could tell. And then in one day, God brought a wholesale breakthrough and just wiped it out for us. And I remember asking him, hey God, like, couldn't you have done that in the first year? Yeah, I could have done it in the first year. He said, but, but I was after something on the inside of you that wouldn't have been able to take place otherwise. I caused desperation in you. 
I caused, I allowed that to happen so that you would seek me while I may be found. I allowed that to happen in your life so that I could put something in you that nothing else can. And yet we shake our fists at God and fall into temptation and grab for the fruit because we're not willing to wait. We're not willing to tarry. We're not willing to sacrifice. We're not willing to, to, to allow Him to do it. And we don't trust God. Because this whole world around us screams at us we should have the newest iPhone or the newest Android or the, or the newest thing or, or the, the husband or the, the wife or the, the job or the CEO or the position or you're the one that should be speaking or what. Shut up! You're not God, neither am I. Trust Him! Come on, trust Him! Stop! Shake yourself from your stinky attitude. Come on, Stop! You're going to fall into temptation. Man, I'm getting ministered to. Anybody else? Okay, grow in love with God. Grow in love with God. Walk humbly, realizing your dependence on the Lord. And don't fall victim to pride and jealousy. I'm done. Did you get something? Put your hands together for Jesus. Come on. Love God's word. Lord, thank you. Keep us from evil. Deliver us from temptation. Come on, someone say, deliver me from temptation. Amen, amen. All right, ushers, help us, please. We're going to go ahead and take an offering this morning specifically for the building here. Uh, Underneath most of your feet is one of the nastiest carpets you have ever seen. And the reason is, is because it's well over 20 years old, as I understand it. And we have milked it for all it's worth but I'm just not sure it's not a health hazard. So <laughs> we have tried to clean it, but it's got so many stains and they just say they just can't get anything else out of it. So we're going to replace it and get the building ready for sale. How many of you think we should turn over a beautiful building to somebody who's going to buy it? Amen. So it'll just increase the value of the building anyway. And so we're going to recarpet this whole thing and uh, grateful for that. So that's what we're going to do. We did that in the first service. We're going to do it now. Amen. Making out check, making out to KC. And if, if you don't want to participate, that's okay. That's all right. Just wanted to give you an opportunity to be blessed. Uh, if you're giving, you can also give online or text to 77977-KC-Wasilla. And let's just see this. We're working on our bathrooms, trying to get those up to speed and just excited about what God's doing. Amen. Hey, don't miss tonight. Broken, broken walls? Yeah. How many of you know who broken walls are? How many of you have never been to, raise your hand if you've never been to a broken walls event. I'm, I'm just telling you, it's just like, I don't know. I become native at these events. I just like, hey, let's get touched. Last one I went to, ended up dancing around with something on my head. and Yeah. No, it's just, a, I mean, it's just anointed. It's anointed. Yeah, now I told Bill Pagaran, I said, Bill, I want you just to turn it loose, man. I don't, I don't want a concert. I want you just to let this Holy Ghost just come and rip through this place. He said, oh, yeah. I said, okay, great. Awesome. Well, I'm not sure if they do that all in other places, but... We're excited about what God's going to do here. And they're preparing to do the idea. Is Carol here somewhere? 
Carol dances, as leads our dance, Anuyak, our native uh, Alaska dance team. She's going to be going with them uh, to the Iditarod Trail uh, and, she, and with Carrie the Cure and sharing the gospel along that. Ushers, would you come, please? Hallelujah. pray father we thank you for this building that you've given us we bought it for 1.2 million i understand it's now worth about 2.5 and i thank you for a 40,000 square foot new building that we will break ground in the spring we will break ground in the spring in jesus name we pray god that you'd help us to fix this place and ready it for sale and lord you'd help us to see that other facility as we even get pricing on that in the next week or so that you would help us to see that erected quickly because we're out of space. And uh, Lord, this is your church. Now God, show us how we're to do that and how we're to move forward. Give us wisdom about services and children and all the things that we're to do until our building's ready to be moved into. And God, we thank and praise you for the privilege of being a part of the great move of God that you're bringing here to Alaska. We thank and praise you for it. Bless the gift and the giver in Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, go ahead. service without giving you an opportunity to be reconciled to him perhaps for the first time giving your heart to Jesus or in a recommitment because you've drifted in your walk with him you're not as on fire as you used to be maybe you've got compromise if that's you you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or you want to recommit to him just pray with me right out loud say dear heavenly father thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place forgive me of all of my sin and thank you that he rose again from the grave. I ask you to come into my heart, to come into my life, and raise up my life now. I come to you the best way I know how. Forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me. And make me new. Cover me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray. Fill, touch, bless, heal. Break every chain, every bondage, oh God. Release your grace, Lord, upon these. Baptize them afresh with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you. And we praise you. Jesus' name. Let me pray just a couple other things. Father, I pray for those who are struggling under the weight of temptation that ye would use these principles and foundation stones 
to overcome the enemy and his ways. We're not ignorant of his schemes. We will be as wise as serpents and gentle as doves, as Jesus said. We'll not fall into the trap of distortion. Lord, we'll not let the word be twisted. We'll be a people of prayer, a people of accountability. We'll confront things in our own lives, in our families. Lord, in our community, we will confront distortions. And Lord, we'll be a people that will walk holy and blameless. We'll flee for immorality. Flee from pornography. Flee from things that destroy, things that grieve you. God, thank you. Help us to trust you with every area of our lives. We'll not be like Eve or like Adam to reach out to take hold of things. We'll trust you. We'll do our best. And you will fulfill the destiny and purpose you have for each and every one of us as we do that. As we delight ourselves in you, you will give us the desires of our heart. And we thank you. The author and the perfecter, the finisher, of the good work that you've begun. We thank you. Now bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to us, O God. Keep us and give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Ladies, be sure to sign up for the women's conference. And we'll see you tonight, 6 o'clock. You might want to come early to get a seat. It's going to be packed. Bless you. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.